Virtual events are outperforming in-person events, not just now, obviously it's not difficult to outperform in-person events now, but in <laughs> in revenue, in a lot of different areas, okay. but you do have to be strategic in it. It definitely depends on who your tribe is, how big of an audience you already have. Um, but I think it's about really in your messaging, in conveying what is the value, knowing, let, letting your audience know that you understand the challenges that they face or you understand this obstacle. This event is going to go through A, B, and C and give you the tools to overcome that, fast track your success, whatever it is. So I really think that marketing, messaging, and copywriting is making a huge difference. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. This is episode 57 with our special guest, Wendy Freeman. The title is Shine Bright with Online Events, what you need to know to rock online events. Wendy is a speaker and a coach. She's an event planner. She's what's called a virtual event strategist and a conference coordinator. She's the founder of a company called Be Bright Events that helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs create live and online events that spark engagement, inspire change, and enrich lives, communities, and organizations. In short, Wendy is an expert on events, and she's got an interesting perspective for us. She's been in this business doing events for over 15 years, but she started her business be Bright Events in June of 2019, fully expecting to focus on in-person events. And then came something called COVID. And now she has had to completely shift her business almost entirely to online events and virtual events, or at least hybrid events. So get ready to learn what's going on in the events world today. And most important, what can you do today to create impactful, engaging, and difference-making events. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking, and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are back here in the Impact Leadership Podcast with Craig Matthews and I, and we have a very unique guest today, Wendy Freeman. Now, the reason she's unique when you start to hear her topic, which is she is all things events. Her company is called Be Bright Events, and she's an event planner, She's a virtual event strategy. That's probably not a surprise. Conference coordinator. I'm also curious. She's also has run a TEDx called TEDx Dupree, which actually I'm familiar with, and I'm not sure why I'm familiar with. I think a friend of mine has spoken there, actually. And she is here today to talk about the reality of events and the non-reality events. I know there's so much I think we believe is true today about what's possible and the thing I loved about her description is she helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs create live and virtual events that spark engagement, inspire change, and enrich lives, communities, and organizations. I think some of you wow. are thinking, well, none of that's happening now. Well, Wendy's here to tell us it's on. Awesome. It is on, folks. I'm looking forward so to welcome, this conversation. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was You're such welcome. a wonderful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to live up to it. That's right. That's no right. pressure. So, Wendy, give us a little bit of the Wendy Freeman story that brings us here today. Yeah, absolutely. So, I have been planning events for, I guess, professionally for over 15 years, but really it goes back to I used to plan my own birthday parties, growing <laughs> up, you know, youth group events. I remember in 10th grade, I planned a conference for 300 teenagers. Wow. And didn't really, you know, and then, you know, Wed friends, weddings and engagement parties and just all of that. So just events has been kind of in my blood my whole life. Awesome. And then when I realized that I could actually make money doing what <laughs> I enjoy doing and what I 
am just naturally gifted at doing, I was like, well, that's a no brainer. So I did that in the corporate space for about 13 years, worked my way up the corporate ladder, started with a startup company in the technology space. I was the fourth employee there, Hmm. worked my way up until when I ultimately left 12 years later, there was over 700 employees. Wow. So that really gave me a unique opportunity to plan all different sizes and all different types of events because as the organization grew, so did the types of events, the strategy of the events, the purpose of the events. And then fortunately now, I didn't realize how beneficial the fact that it was a technology company and that we did virtual events (laughs) in addition to in-person, how much value that would bring to me now as a planner. But ultimately after, you know, I worked my way up, the next step was to become CMO and I didn't want to do that. So I was kind of faced with two options. I could go do the startup thing again because I loved the creativity, the monotony or the lack of monotony. (laughs) It felt like uh, entrepreneurship light, right? It was wearing all the different hats and constantly changing without the financial risk. So I could do that again with another startup or I could start my own business. And what I realized in the last couple of years was that while I loved planning the events that I was planning, at the end of the day, those events, their impact was helping risk managers be better at their job. So it was helping somebody excel in their career, which is all well and good. But for me, that didn't, I didn't have that sense of purpose. I'm a huge advocate and like, I'm an event junkie. I go to tons of events for, as an attendee, yeah. um, specifically those in the personal growth space, personal development space. And it was at an event that I had the like light bulb moment. It was one of those events where you're just doing all that deep inner work and figuring out where you are in life. And you know, why, why am I so unfulfilled? I've done all the things that society tells you to do. I've checked all the boxes, you know, and I was like, I'm planning the wrong events. I should be planning events just like this one. And so I stood up in front of a room. It was a small, intimate event. It was about a hundred people. I stood up in front of that room crying because I'm very feeling person. I I wear my, like not embarrassed. I am authentic. I had no problem getting up crying because of the excitement, but also the fear. And I said, I declare that within three months, I'm going to quit my corporate job and start my own business planning events just like this. Awesome. Fast forward a year, they actually hired me as their client and I planned that exact event. <laughs> awesome. That is fantastic. So Wendy, obviously this is pretty new. Event planning is not new to you, but this venture is new. And I believe I saw that you started this venture in June of 2019. Is that right? That's correct. So talk to us about starting this venture in June of 2019 and then having a minor shift in your industry. Some people would call it a pandemic. It was like a speed bump in the neighborhood. Speed bump. Yeah. Seven months later. So talk about that or nine months later. (laughs) I, I knew that being an, my dad is an entrepreneur. So I saw what that lifestyle is like. I knew there would be challenges. I knew there would be road bumps. Something of this magnitude wasn't exactly <laughs> a thought. You know, I, I come from risk management. Well, I don't, the organization was risk management. So I had some, any event planner is going to say that strategy starts with success. Any good event planner is going to say that strategy, success starts with strategy. And so I am having a contingency plan is critical. So I had, if this happens, this is how I would go. That I had no plan in place for this. As a planner, I am a very proactive person. I don't work in the reactive space unless I absolutely have to. And in that reactive space is why there's contingency plans so that I kind of know what's going to happen. So, you know, eight months in, six months in, I don't even know. It feels like it's been a long year. (laughs) But I, I had no choice. Like I had to, that famous P word, right? I had to pivot. And I had to do it reactively. And that is not the way that I work. So I took a couple of weeks and, you know, I, I played in my puddle. I had my pity party. I, you know, I tried to figure out like what my next step was. And then finally I was like, you know what, like, just deal with it. Just show up. There are so many people now, speakers, 
entrepreneurs, event planners, people that have in-person events that have to transition them. And I have the knowledge and the skill to do that. Awesome. I started my own business because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to have a purpose. I wanted to make an impact. And right now, more than ever, I can do that. So when, you're, when you were really originally starting this out, this was all to be in-person events? 100%. Oh, okay. I am a right, people gotcha. person. I crave the yeah. connection and that in-person experience. So yes. there was definitely some like, I don't want to say depression, but like there's a great cloud <laughs> sure. around it. Like I was not excited about virtual, but you know, my dad and every other entrepreneur is like, you're not going to love every minute of every day. You do what you have to do to keep your business alive. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I had that knowledge. It was just a matter of figuring out how do I get in front of people when I just spent the last six, eight months positioning myself as the in-person expert. So now how do I rebrand myself all over again? Gotcha. So, so Wendy, before we talk about virtual events and things like that, give us your take on the events industry right now, especially mm. conferences and things like that, you know, Certainly the in-person conferences that that's been turned off. We don't know when it's going to turn back on, but give us sort of your crystal, well, crystal ball, give us the answers. So I actually did a webinar on this a couple of weeks ago because in-person events are still happening. They're happening on a smaller scale. They're happening in strategic locations. And it's definitely a different experience, but they are happening. Hmm. Um, what I will say about that is that virtual events are not going anywhere. I think that in-person events are going to continue to grow and, you know, you're going to start to see more and more, um, but they're different. You know, you have, if you have theater seating, you're not, you're six feet away. You're not leaning over and whispering to somebody being like, oh, did you hear what that speaker just said? Right. You know, maybe you're like waving to them from the distance or whatever. It's, it's different. You know, there's, there's no buffets. Everything's a plated meal or a box lunch. Um, some of the events are, you know, it, it really depends on the host and the city. I'm planning one for a client in November and we intentionally picked Sioux Falls, South Dakota hmm. because they have no restrictions there. Oh, she's doing an event all about human connection. She was like, I cannot huh. have a human connection event with people <laughs> that are, you know, physically distanced like that. So right. they are happening and where there's a will, there's a way, but there's also a level of responsibility that has to go along with that. Yeah, way. absolutely. Um, what I'm seeing more and more are the hybrid events where, you know, and I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go produce and speak at one where we have all of the speakers, it's in a virtual studio, we have all the speakers coming in and we're all speaking from this virtual studio where there's, you know, the screens all over the place, you can see all the attendees. So from a speaker perspective, that's something I'm hearing from speakers over and over is it's so hard, you can't read the room. You know, crafting your talk is different when you're crafting that talk for virtual versus in person. And so that is where I really think the next stage of it is going to go. Same thing with the one that I'm doing in Sioux Falls. We have a videographer coming in. We're streaming the live event, selling virtual tickets, streaming the in-person event, but have the capability to open up Q&A to the people that are on the Zoom call, show them on the big screen and have some level of engagement for them as well. So I think that's really the direction that it's heading these huge trade shows, these mega conferences with thousands of people. I think those are off the table for a while. Wow. That is, that is a shame. I, I spent some time at some trade shows last year and um, I just I, like you, I, I love the energy of events. And so it's, it's tough to see that go. Well, and I um, think with the trade shows, that's what's so important. That is how so many people generate their leads. That yes. is where they get their yep. prospects. And that's where the power of virtual comes in is that you're not standing on your feet in a freezing cold room with your smile on the entire time <laughs> and trying to navigate from who's a real prospect versus who just wants the freebie that I'm giving out. You right. host the virtual event, the right people are going to come and you have an opportunity to really reach an even larger audience. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm advising a company that's in Wilmington, North Carolina. So it's called Carolina Rooftop. And what they've done is they, they are taking like three different properties in the area 
and anything that has roof, rooftop access and they're creating event space on top of the roof plus you know maybe some inside space as well just turning into a beautiful space but that gets over some of the restrictions mm -hmm. exactly that's, that's like i'm saying where there's a will there's a way and it's a matter of thinking outside of the box what can i do that might be different from the normal event that i plan or the flow that i always follow how can i look at what is that specific piece of that event what is the objective how can i achieve that same objective in a different way right so when the, I, I would like to ask you a question and see if you're going to confirm, disavow, or do something in the middle with it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm familiar, and I'm learning a lot already about hybrid events and virtual events. And, and what I've heard some folks say is that virtual events or hybrid events, the cost to do them is pretty considerable. In fact, I heard someone said it's as much as a live event. And at the same time, a lot of organizations and groups are struggling to charge the same amount. So what's going on with sort of the economic model here of events? If you're gonna have cost as much to do a virtual or hybrid event, but you're charging less, seems to me that you're out of the box, but you may be out of the box with an empty hand. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, that's a great question. And I'm gonna kind of approach that from two, two different sides. The first one is really simple. Would you have an event? You, you know what you're selling your tickets for at an in-person event. And so many people are like, but I'm seeing free events. I'm seeing free events. Everybody's doing it for free. Would you ever have that event in person for free? And you're like, no, there's overhead. There's cost. I'm delivering value. You're still delivering value virtually. Yep. And I think that it's a lot of the keeping up with the Joneses and you see these free tickets everywhere and people get scared. You know, I have my own virtual event coming up next week. I don't have free tickets. I want the right people in the room. Yeah. First of all, I am not, you know, I'm not for me, my, the goal of my event is not just to grow my list. If your goal is to grow your list, a free event, 100% the way to go. And you can do that cost effectively. There's a lot of things you can do, Yeah. but I also know the value that I'm delivering and I know the, or the people that I want to bring in. And I don't want a bunch of people in my Zoom room, my Zoom room. I don't want a bunch of people there that are going to have their cameras off and multitasking. Yeah. I'm creating engagement. And even the, just the, it's, it's not an expensive ticket, but they're buy-in, they have skin in the game. They're going to show up, they're going to engage, they're going to play all in. So there's that kind of component about the ticketing and the pricing. When you think about the cost of an event, the biggest thing that I am seeing on my end, I mean, you can, you can run an event for no cost. I mean, really, you can, you can do your advertising, you know, all your marketing on your own. You can promote it online. You can open up a Zoom room. Okay, so there's going to be some cost. You have your internet. You have to pay for Zoom. There's going to be some. Yeah, but we're doing that anyway. But right. Those, that's the cost of doing business. Right. Then there's the middle ground where maybe you hire a technical producer to help you on the back end with the technology, or you hire somebody to help you with your marketing strategy, or you hire a coach. You know, I coach, I have a lot of clients that they are, you know, large organizations. They have the people to do the work. They don't know what needs to be done. They don't know <laughs> what works. They're like right. marching orders. So, yeah. you know, I work with them and it's like, what are your goals? You know, figuring it all out, but then kind of giving them the roadmap of how to achieve that. And then also sharing like, here's my templates. Don't start with a blank spreadsheet to create your budget, use, use mine. Um, and then you have the huge mega events, like what you're seeing Tony Robbins and Pete Vargas and you know, the huge ones that are in a Zoomzilla room that before any marketing, before anything, they're paying you know, 10 to $15,000 a day just to be in that studio. But then the other thing that, and this, I get, I get worked up about this because it's, there's, it's just, it's also about the mindset. You know, a lot of people, they'll reach out and they'll be like, I want to do an event and we talk about it and I, and I'll give them a price and it's like sticker shock. And for me, my events, you know, I meet my clients where they're at. It's not a all, we, it can be all inclusive. If you just want marketing help, I can just help you with the marketing. If you just want me the day, the day of to run your tech, I can do that. You know, it depends everything's custom for my clients, but when they're like, what does it look like for you to do everything? It's like sticker shock. And 
not always, not always. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's very, it, it's reasonable. It's very reasonable. And when you think about it, you know, if you were doing an in-person event, you have just the, just the money to book the venue. There's just that. Then you have your food and beverage. You've eliminated that. You might hire an event planner, but in addition to that event planner, you're going to hire an AV team. In addition to that AV team, you either have an in-house website developer that's going to build your entire conference website or your conference app, or you're outsourcing that. Same thing with graphic designer. So, you know, with Be Bright Events, we can do all of that. So when you look at it that way, it is much more economical because you're getting it all under one roof and there's that consistency and there's not that need of having to make sure that your AV vendor knows what you're, you know, it's all consistent. There's so much less room for error because there's no miscommunication happening. Gotcha. So when you look at the difference between an online or virtual event and a webinar, tell us, Mm -hmm. tell us how you see the differences. They're both events. They are both events. I see webinars as very one-sided. Right. Um, you know, my webinar, I, I streamed it live. I had people register. I couldn't engage with them other than seeing the chat that they might have been chatting on Facebook. I couldn't see them. So it's very, I think a webinar is you are delivering information nine out of 10 times. You have an offer at the end and there is one goal and that is to create value and sell your offer. Right. With, with a virtual, and I keep trying to change my terminology. I don't want to call it virtual because I feel like virtual means it's fake. <laughs> it's an online event. Live online uh, event. Okay. <laughs> and I, I keep getting stuck in the virtual, but every time I say it, I have that light bulb. Yeah. Um, but with a with a online event, you are engaging with people. You are seeing people. You're giving them value, but you're helping them to achieve a greater goal. For me, I see I see online events more as an opportunity to help the audience solve a problem, achieve a goal, enrich their life versus, yes, making money is obviously, you know, a goal of the event host, selling their high ticket offer, whatever it may be, is a goal. But that happens organically when you're delivering that value, when you're creating that experience. Yeah. Wendy, I want to dive more into the virtual events and uh, all those things you've talked about. One question is from an industry perspective. One thing that I've run, I mean, I'm a professional speaker and pre-COVID, we did a lot of outreach to meeting planners, to conferences, associations, and their job was to find speakers as well as run these events. And what we started finding was two things. One is pretty quickly, we weren't hearing back from anybody. Now, and that made sense in the sense of we're canceling. Well, it didn't. Two things were happening. One is they were canceling their events. They were not shifting them to virtual. Mm-hmm. They were canceling. They were just wiping them away, that number one. And number two, they were actually letting go, laying off or permanently letting go the planners, which to me is akin to a com- you know, company has a challenging market like COVID, and the first thing they do is let go all their sales and marketing people. Right. I, so speak to what's going on in the industry, what you're seeing. You know, are things, are you seeing a lot of things just getting wiped away versus a shift to virtual and what's going on in the industry of event planners and meeting planners? Yeah. Well, for me, I'm, I'm busier than ever. I have more business than I can actually handle. And I actually started a second business in the midst of all of this called the virtual event experts so that I could separate my two bit. I mean, they're the same business, but so I could kind of have two different tracks, different people, different skill sets. Um, Because I think, you know, I I think that right now there's more people that had never done events that are using this as an opportunity to kind of dip their toe in, see Mm -hmm. what that's all about. And when in-person events come back, they've laid that, that, they've laid the foundation. They figured out what works. They figured out what didn't work. And they did so with a lot less financial investment. Or yeah. financial risk, I should say. Um, I not one of my clients canceled their events. I encouraged every single one to yeah. postpone or go virtual or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. What I found that worked best is when you kept that date, people already had blocked out, and you did something simple and virtual, you keep that momentum going. Yep. 
people need community right now. We are so isolated. We need that community. So I encourage everybody, if you have an event, do not cancel it. <laughs> do something small and virtual or at minimum postpone it so people have something to look forward to. Yeah. When you, when you look at the, the uh, online event, a lot of people are used to seeing like the webinar format where there's really no interaction. A lot of people will do Zoom the same way. And I think it's a real shame. When Jeff and I do webinars, we try to make it highly interactive where we're engaging, we're asking questions, we have people talking, you know, and, and there's that, that interaction there. What are some things that you do to bring people out and create engagement? Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question because I'm sure that everybody listening or watching this has been to engaging events and then they've been to events that they've, you know, scrolled onto a different screen and then all of a sudden it's quiet in their house. They're like, oh, the event ended. Didn't even realize it completely tuned it out. So I think one of the things that has been really working well for my clients is we create the community before the event starts. If they already have one, we expand on that. If they don't, it's a Facebook group. It's a LinkedIn group. We're going live. They're talking to their audience. They're engaging them. They're asking them, what do you want to hear? It's very easy to make little tweaks or modifications to the content you're presenting when you hear the feedback. So one, catering, knowing your audience and catering to them. Two, letting them know ahead of time, this event's going to be different. You know, we're going to ask that your cameras are on. You're going to, you know, show up. We don't care what you got on the bottom, but show up up top looking like you are ready to <laughs> engage. Um, you know, you want to wear stand like, up. <laughs> you show up your authentic self. You be you. But at the same time, like we are treating this like a real event and we would love for you to do the same. Yep. So kind of the, the know before you go, I like to call it. And then once I'm in events, for me, it comes down to two things, I think. Really intentional agenda design, mm -hmm. recognizing who your speakers are, who's high energy, who's low energy, what has the really engaging content versus the really educational content versus the inner soul work, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. mixing that up so yeah. there's variety. Great idea. And creating that safe space right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So every single one of my events, and I, most of my clients now do this as well, we welcome everybody. Like I have a DJ, you know, I, I do the whole thing. We have a DJ, we have an MC. I want it to feel as much like an in-person event as I can. Right. But we kick it off with, this is going to be an engaging, interactive experience. This is, you know, we same, you know, repeating the no before you go stuff. Real quick, I want you guys to take a minute and I'm, I'm going to send you on a, on a scavenger hunt. Who likes scavenger? <laughs> right? right. Play like the little Super Mario music or some fun music. I'm like, I want you to whatever room you're in, you're in office, kitchen, wherever you are, I want you to find three things. Depending on what the event is, I try to tie them in. Sure. But they can be as simple as find something that makes you happy, find something that reminds you or something that makes you proud and find something you've been meaning to get rid of. Nine <laughs> out of 10 times you say something that makes you happy. Somebody's going to show up with a picture of their kid or their pet, something you're proud of. It's an award, whatever it may be, you know, so then you go into, you play the music, you have 60 seconds. When you come back to your computer, you're going to see that little blue button and you're popping them into a breakout room. Perfect. So in that breakout room, they're then immediately easy conversation. Nobody's going to have trouble talking about those things. So you're setting the precedent. You're breaking the ice. Yeah. It's, it's like an icebreaker, but even easier, I think, than the in-person icebreakers that you do. And it's a matter of also just giving really intentional um, direction. You know, how many times have you gone into a breakout room? And you're like, uh, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> right. Being very clear. And, and a lot of times I'll go as far as to say the person with the shortest hair is the timekeeper. Each person has this much time. The person with the longest hair is going to go first. If you finish early, don't worry about it. Here's some questions you can talk about. If you don't finish, don't worry. You'll have time. Yep. So there's no miscommunication. There's no misdirection. They maximize their time in that breakout room. They come out. You ask for some group shares. And from the start, you have an engaging community. Gotcha. Wow. So that's really fascinating, Wendy. Uh, I, I have to say this. When you gave your example of scavenger hunt, I wondered if anyone ever brought like their spouse or partner into the yeah. picture for number three, but that would just be a whole nother. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably something I would say at the beginning that, this you know, mean. you can do that, but don't bring a spouse or partner in or children. Yeah. Uh, I might have to work that into my Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel free. It just feel hit bad. me. 
But the thing that struck me about what you're saying, Wendy, is that virtual events, let's online events, uh, may take a lot, a little more thought, maybe a lot more thought, and guidance for your participants. Because if you're in a live event, you pro- like you wouldn't have to think too much about it. And maybe it's just, maybe actually now as I'm saying this, maybe it's, it required it both in person and online events. But I really like how you're going that extra step to create the experience, even on the little tiny things. Yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think it is a little bit more difficult in the virtual space because people are distracted. So they need to, even though it may be common sense, when you're in person, you're, you're there. You are in that room. Yeah. You might be checking your email here and there, but you don't have you know multiple screens and emails dinging and this and that. So I think that that repetitive, even though it may be common sense, the unconscious mind still hears that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I went through Train the Trainer program, again, a, a success resources program. And one of the things that they talk about is you're going to do a, you know, you're going to share some data and then you're going to have a little exercise and then you're going to do a partner share and then you're going to do a group share. And it changes the energy. It keeps changing the energy so that there's always something in motion. People stay engaged and it makes it much, much more interesting. Exactly. There's no reason we can't do that in the online world as well. Exactly. And even little things you don't think about if you're like, all right, you guys, you're going to want to take notes on this. Everybody take your pen, wave it in front of the camera. (laughs) You're giving them a command. You're bringing them back. They're centered now. And even that little bit, it's a state change. They're grabbing, they're sitting up. It changes. Uh, Good. Good. Now they're back and they're re-engaged. Yeah. That's a really good one. So what I heard you say is because it's online, it's easy for me to forget that it's visual. (laughs) <laughs> and I can, I can fall into the trap of just being auditory and, and sharing words. But if mm-hmm. I was in person, I would do that. I would, I would, I'd say to grab your pen, get that paper next to you. I would do it, but I might not think to do that online. And you're saying, make it just like, basically make it just like in person, maybe even more visual and uh, auditory guidance. Yep, exactly. I remember my first event before we put everybody into the Zoom rooms, we were, I was like, guys, I don't, I don't know about you, but my Zoom, like this breakout thing, it doesn't work. So I, I, I need your energy. I need everybody. It's not going to work until everybody's <laughs> Once everybody's doing this, then that blue button will show up. But again, they changed, everybody laughed. They put a smile on their face That's when great. they went into that breakout in that positive space yes. where awesome. stronger conversations. So you do dance offs as well? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I love the idea of the definite dance parties at my event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So then it does matter what you're wearing down below. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. So, what, Wendy, what, when you look at organizations or businesses, whoever's doing an online event now, what are their biggest concerns and what's your solutions for them? The biggest concern I hear is getting people to register. That is the number one challenge. Not, I don't want to say challenge, but when I ask people, because that's that I ask, you know, what are you concerned about? What's your number one concern? That is it. How am I going to get people to show up? But that was the thing that they were talking about a year ago and two years ago and five years ago and 20 years ago. Right. It's the same thing, right? But how is, well, wait a minute, but how is it different for them? Is it a different concern for them? Um, because I if they had, if they had, if they had 3000 people at their in-person event last year, they're probably confident they can get 3000 again, but they're saying, how do I get 3000 on an online program? Exactly. And I think, I think they're, you know, Virtual events are outperforming in-person events, not just now. Obviously, it's not difficult to outperform in-person events now, but in <laughs> in revenue, in a lot of different areas, okay. but you do have to be strategic in it, especially there are so many virtual events. Everybody's marketing them the same way. 
So how are you, you know, everybody's running Facebook ads, Google ads, doing their email campaigns, going live on social media. So how are you, it takes a little bit more work, I think. I mean, the free ones, not, not so much. I mean, you still have to put yourself out there, but the ones where they're, you know, it, it definitely depends on who your tribe is, how big of an audience you already have. Um, but I think it's about really in your messaging in conveying what is the value, knowing, let, letting your audience know that you understand the challenges that they face, or you understand this obstacle, this event is going to go through A, B, and C and give you the tools to overcome that, fast track your success, whatever it is. So I really think that marketing, messaging, and copywriting is making a huge difference. It, it absolutely does. And you're absolutely right. A lot, so many people talk about, okay, this is what we're going to do, right? This is, this is what we're all about. And that's the way they do the marketing rather than talking about it from the customer's perspective. Right. That, and that's, that's where, you know, business entrepreneurship 101, who do you serve and how do you help them? Yeah. And it's not what about are the biggest challenges. Where do they hang out? And when you know that you can yes. craft your messaging or hire someone to craft your messaging. Well, it's, it's interesting because when, when I talk to people, you know, on the investment side, so I, I advise small, you know, startup companies. And one of the things that we often ask is, okay, what trade show are you going to go to, you know, for your initial marketing, which, you know, put out the 10, 10 trade shows are going to be the key. That's not one of the questions now. <laughs> yeah. So Wendy, and, yeah, I want to oh, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I want to ask a question because something you just said, I'm wondering if we have to reframe our measures because you said that online events are outperforming in-person events. And I'm going to guess that you're saying that's based upon registration registrations and a lot of the events that I do, there's a, a high ticket offer at the end. It's called an enrollment event. So think about this. You create an experience online. They want to buy. How many times are you at an event and you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, it feels so good in that moment. Even if the money is not, you know, you're sitting there, you're trying to rationalize. What if I did this? I can do. Here's the thing. If they're engaged, they're right here. They don't have to stand up. They don't have to walk to the back of the room. They don't have to stand in line. They right. don't have to talk to a salesperson. Their credit card is already stored on their computer. Right. They have that instant decision that they want to do it and they can take action versus the time it takes them to stand up and walk to the back of the room, stand in line and change their mind. And fill out the form and exactly. ask questions. Yeah, exactly. It's auto-populated. It's like, yes, I want this. I'm going to do it. And there's no time to change your mind. I mean, there's always the money back guarantee and all of that, but. Sure. So what's the key to that? Because I, I, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And what comes to mind is you said earlier with the um, online events, you have, I think you have a lot of people signing up because they say, I don't have to be present. I can sit there and multitask. Um, it, I don't have to be as engaged. So if they're not as engaged, you typically don't get those outcomes you desire. And I guess there's two things I'm wondering. One is you're talking about offers, really intrigued by that. The other is if you want your people to leave, inspired into action, how is that performance happening? Almost impossible to measure when it's online and they may not be as engaged because they're multitasking, they're, they're listening to half of it or a third of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's a, couple, there's a couple of things and those are, those are fantastic questions because that right there, what you said about people not really having to be present, that's why I charge for my events. I would rather have less people that are fully engaged and present which at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to sell, well, I'm not going to say I'm going to sell more. I might sell the same amount, but my percentage of attendees versus sales is going to be a higher number because I have qualified people in the room. Mm. Um, one of the things that I do and that I do with a lot of events is there's already, we talked about at the beginning, you have the Facebook community or the LinkedIn group that you've already established before. When you're doing these social circles or the sharing and you're, you're creating something, you add gamification to it. Take a picture of what you just wrote down. Here's the worksheet we gave you at the beginning. Go post that in the Facebook group. So you're forcing them to take action. 
There's a level of accountability. In a lot of cases, they're declaring something. And as a result, the community then shows up and it's like, oh, you know, for, for me, like one of mine is, you know, we have at our event, a lot of times we'll have people declare the date of their event or what their event is going to be about. We challenge you, go post that in the community, type out, you know, give us your, the three goals you want from your event. And what we see is the community then goes in and says, oh, you know what? I know a great speaker that would be perfect for that. Or so-and-so did an event really similar. I'm friends with them. Let me connect you. So in addition, not only is it helping to move them forward, but it's also strengthening the community and providing them with resources that they might not otherwise have had. So why don't everybody do events? I mean, it's, you know, to us, we love it, but (laughs) it seems like there's so many advantages. There are so many advantages when you approach it from the right way. That's, that's the difference. I think a lot of people are looking and they're like, yeah, I can get a bunch of speakers together and have everybody in a Zoom room. But how is that any different from if I just wanted to go on YouTube and say, okay, I feel like watching something on meditation. I feel like watching something on biohacking. I feel like watching something on business. And I just sit there and I curate my own event. Yeah. So how is that any different? Um, I've put on a, a virtual summit last year and it was, it was very interesting. I mean, pre-recorded videos and then, you know, scheduled to come out over time. And I look at that and I think I would love to do that more live, you know? Mm-hmm. And in fact, the technology wise, it would probably actually be simpler mm-hmm. to do that live rather so than having to go through all the recordings and stuff like that. There's, um, there's, there's a couple different ways, you know, there's, there's a benefit to doing that for sure. Yeah. Um, there's, no shortage of virtual event platforms that most of them leverage zoom, but it gives you that online virtual space, right? So what, which ones do you, would you recommend to people? Those are great questions. And honestly, it depends on your budget. Mm -hmm. It depends what your objectives are. It depends, you know, how, what level of engagement do you want? Um, I love, you know, Hova, Hova is a, is a good, it's W H O V A is a, is a good, price point. Same thing with Pay Summit. Those are both really good. Pay Summit? Pay Summit. Pay Summit. Okay. Those are both really good. There's some limitations, but they're very cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, if everything's going to be pre-recorded, um, the Virtual Summit software, that's literally what it's called, Virtual Summit software, is a great one. Also very cost effective. Then you're kind of middle of the road. I love EventMobi. It's E-V-E-N-T-M-O-B-I. And what's really great about that one is it's very customizable. It's very intuitive. You can, your attendees can schedule one-on-one, almost like FaceTime calls with each other. You can create discussion boards. There's gamification built into it. Every single session on the agenda has its own QA, has its own um, chat box. So even if it's pre-recorded, you schedule the time that it goes live, people click, and they're still chatting with other people watching it at the same time. Mm. So that's a really great one. And it just has a lot of opportunity for engagement. Interesting. And then you, you take it to the next level with things like um, Intrado and just, I just blanked on the name. Um, I just blanked on the name, but there's a lot of them that are, you know, more in the $10,000, $15,000 space mm. where you are literally creating an avatar and it is like you're playing the Sims game, you know, you're <laughs> tapping someone on the shoulder and a thought bubble comes up. Okay, awesome. Shows, they can actually build a virtual booth and people have their avatar. They're walking through the trade oh, show. Wow. So it's, it's really cool. What, what is that doing. one called, Wendy? Uh, that, there's one called Intrado and I just... I just blinked on the other one. I'll, I'll I just it. did one. I did one of these. Well, I was a participant for an event that had avatars and things. I think it was called Verbella or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it had like rooms and you walked, you literally walked and, you know, you dressed yourself and you set up your hair. And mm-hmm. it was actually, I mean, I will tell this, I will say this, the front end learning curve was a little challenging. Uh, more than I expected because I'm pretty decent at technology. But once people got it, then it was in- it was interesting. But it took a little bit. Well, and that brings up what we talked about earlier—that whole "no before you go," mm, right? Yeah. So you're using something like that. Take a couple minutes, record a Loom video of yep. what that experience is like, what your what 
you know, what you're capable of doing, maybe give them some links to important health articles. And I found that with those technologies, if you're able to open up the space a couple of weeks before, Mm. let people get in there, let them play around. They're not spending their keynote designing the avatar. Right. Paying attention to the keynote. (laughs) You can also do a, a tech support time, you know, where, where people can come in. Like for example, um, I attended a, a recent event by Stu McLaren called Tribe and virtual event, but he had all the screens in. He had, what, nine, ten breakout rooms. And with that going in, when you registered, you had to set up a time to talk to a tech person who made sure that your mic and your video were working. And that's just that other human touch point. Yeah. It's like your virtual check-in. It's great. And a lot of times, and, and we even did this at the event a couple of weeks ago, at the bottom, we had a help desk. We literally had a student volunteer that sat in a Zoom room for three days straight. Anytime wow. somebody had a question, all they had to do was click that help desk and it immediately brought them into a Zoom room where they got one-on-one verbal support yeah. versus the emails that are blowing up some help desk and the organizers are busy running the event and you don't get an answer. Right. So it's thinking about those little ways to create that connection and that human touch point. Yeah. You know, at what event do you go to that there's not somebody you could walk up to and ask for help? That's easy to create in the virtual space. You just need the resource. Gotcha. Oh, Wendy, one question that's gnawing at me because I'm a speaker and I know my speaker friends listening want to hear your feedback on this. <laughs> and I have a speaker mastermind with six of us, so I'm hearing this across all of us. People are shifting to a hybrid or a online event and what they're saying, here's what they're saying. So we're not going to pay you your regular fees because either we're charging less or they're saying, but you're not traveling here. So they don't see it as value, but this is a very real discussion that is happening every day where speakers who are typically paid X are being said, Hey, we'd love to have you. We'll pay you 20% of X all day long. And so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, And is that real or is this mindset or both? I think it's a combination of both. I think that, you know, what I think organizers and planners and the people that are paying the speakers need to realize is that the time it takes you to prepare your speech, your talk, that's the same. So it's, it's really a matter of, t- I'm not going to go through all of, all of the things, the speakers you all know, there are certain things that are fixed time, your time on stage, your time to prep, your, the value that you deliver in your uh, talk. Mm-hmm. Those are fixed. Those aren't going to change. Now, there is the part of, if you were traveling, how many hours are you losing where you're not able to do other work, where you're not able to speak at other events? I think that's the point where the costs, in my eyes, that's where there's a little bit of a decrease. You know, in a a normal speaking, we're asking you to be completely pretty much off the grid for at least 24 hours, Mm -hmm. plus travel expenses, all of that. So in this case, there's less of a time investment of the travel piece. And you're still able to do more. I mean, there's times that I spoke three times in one day. I never would have been able to do that in the in-person space. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to devalue yourself as the speaker. You're still delivering value to the audience. Mm-hmm. And it still is taking time. If, if, and I don't want to, I'm going to say it. If you're a good speaker, you're not just going to take your same talk and do it over and over. You're going to take the time to learn about their audience take that talk, but, you know, put different examples in and conform that talk to speak to their audience. Those are the speakers that you want on your stages. Those are the speakers that are worth the money because they're taking the time and they're doing the work. Well, I think one of the phenomenons that's happening here with online is it's, I think there's a risk here that it's perpetuating an old story. And I'm curious how long that'll last in that all the things you said were great, but I noticed several of the things you mentioned were time-driven. And speakers look at it and say, it's not about my time, it's about the value. Mm-hmm. And meeting planners tend to um, talk about 
the, t- the focus on the time and now the online model is driving them to think even more about that. Say, well, I'm saving you a day. Mm-hmm. So charge me. So it's back to this time discussion. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to create an ongoing challenge in the speaking world. If the more the conversation goes back to time, you know, when someone says, well, this is so much an hour, that's not a conversation, frankly, any speaker wants to have. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I, and I do, you know, and that's, that's why I said it does come down to the value that you're delivering for sure. Um, I think another challenge is that there's a lot of people that might not have been speaking before that are looking to get their name out <laughs> and be right. willing to do it for free while they may not have the experience and be able to deliver that same level of value with the scarcity mindset that is growing in the world right now. Sometimes people are taking that easy option. Um, I do think you raise an interesting point though about the time versus the value. Um, because right, none of us, none of us, you know, I don't, I don't look at someone and I'm like, okay, well, it's going to take me five hours to craft your budget. So it's going to be this price. It's what does it cost to craft a budget or that budget's a terrible example. You know, <laughs> your event is six hours long. This is what running technology on the back end is going to be for that. No, it's, this is the price for an event for technology, AV, you know, all of the things. Um, but even on, on my side, there's never a point where without me hiring extra resources or sending other people out that I could ever do three events in one week. Whereas now I'm able to do that. So I am able to offset. It's just, I guess the, the general cost of me being away that time that I am not doing other profit producing activity that I now have, you know, I could do an evening event for three hours a night while running a virtual event all day. I couldn't do that in the in-person space. Gotcha. Well, while we're on the topic of money, let me ask you a question. I think a lot of people, would, including me, would love to have clarity on, and I get it's a tough question. I'll just say that up front. You talked about the importance of charging a fee to get people engaged and committed and accountable. What, if anything, have you learned about price points that create that? Because for me, I will be honest, I have signed up for some events that I paid for, but that what I paid didn't get me engaged. And I was happy to to get recordings and things like that because it wasn't enough, but it was something. So do you have any guidance for folks on events? If that's giving away the story, I understand that. Oh, no, not at all. It's it's a great question. I think in my answer, you'll be able to think about a lot of events that you've probably seen this model is it's the the multiple tier strategy. You know, you have the inexpensive buy-in and maybe that gets them they can, they can stream it or, you know, they can attend. They're not going to get the recordings, but that's that, that foot in the door. They, they're not going to be your as engaged audience, but then you have that middle tier where they're going to get the recordings. Maybe they get some exclusive networking opportunities, um, you know, things, you know, a virtual swag bag or a lot of, you know, a lot of my events now we're sending out the boxes ahead of time right. and they're getting those and they're, it's super exciting. And the best ones are the ones that have the envelopes and things inside it says, do not open until day two, right. do not open until instructed. And you can see the people that have opened it before, but it <laughs> that level of excitement and that, you know, when is that going to happen? I don't want to miss that. Just make sure it's not something really dinky inside those envelopes. <laughs> right, it's got to be good. You know, yeah. a couple hundred bucks in that envelope. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to sell your offer. You just gave them the money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but, but then, like, the, the best ones, I think, are the ones where you can, and, and this might not work for every industry. For my industry, who I'm serving, it works really powerfully, is, you know, a 30-minute, 15-minute laser coaching session. Mm. It's during the breaks, it's during the the different times, you know, we block out the entire second or the the first day after our event to do these laser coaching. Mm-hmm. People see value in that because many times they'd be paying you for that. They then get to talk to you in the middle or after the event. As the organizer, you have a chance to have one-on-one with them, get them on the phone and enroll them, Mm. really show them your value when you're talking about their problem, their event, their service, whatever it may be. Um, And then I think the last thing, well, not the last thing, but another thing is creating those exclusive opportunities. So like I mentioned, the exclusive networking 
or you bring the speakers in and it's an opportunity when you buy that VIP pass, not only do you get all of the things, but you also get to have a intimate, you know, conversation with the speakers of the event. And you can do that on different tiers. You can do multiple speakers, however you organize that. Mm -hmm. uh, those are, people see a lot of value in that because in what other event do you get to be in a group conversation with maybe, you know, 30, 50 other people and the speaker? It doesn't happen. You don't get that. So that's, especially if you have some well-known speakers, yeah. that's a huge opportunity for people, even just for the screenshot <laughs> next to the person, you know, I mean, I've had people so they're so excited. Wow, so this is good stuff. It is. I, I guess the question that's coming to me, Wendy, is we're now, call it seven months into this change. And I think. I know from a lot of my anecdotally, there's a lot of people who are still in a waiting mode. Mm -hmm. They're waiting for things wow. to get back to whatever they, they call it normal, the new normal. What, what are you seeing in that? Are you know, people waiting versus not? And what's your offer to people about waiting? <laughs> what they need to do now? All right, you're about to get me on my soapbox. Now. <laughs> Good, I was waiting it, for it. it. I was waiting for it. Bring it, bring it. I want in-person events more than any one, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, I am encouraging people to, you have to be comfortable. You have to do what you're comfortable with. I respect whether your, your beliefs, my beliefs are different. I respect everyone and let them do what they want to do, obviously. So there's my, there's my disclaimer. <laughs> however, however. Is that before however, you get on the box? Here I go. Here I go. Hospitality industry, venues, lost so much money. Oh my gosh, yes. So much money. The deals that I am negotiating for my clients right now that are booking their in-person events, I don't, I feel bad saying I'm negotiating because I'm asking. <laughs> and I'm, I love negotiating contracts is one of those things people hate. Like I love it. Like this, like <laughs> my virtual background, I bring out all my highlighters, all my pens. Like I love it. And right now it is, if you know what to ask for and you know the clauses to put in, it is like risk-free, no joke. Wow. <laughs> you get, I mean, I had a $150,000 food and beverage minimum at a place that I had planned an event before. Same, similar event, different client, $40,000. Wow. $40,000. The attrition usually, and attrition is when you get a big block of rooms and, you know, they're like, you might be getting a hundred rooms this, you know, for over the duration, I'm using easy math here. You're responsible for if you don't book, you know, you 20% attrition, if you don't book 80 of those rooms, you're paying for at least 80 of those rooms. Hmm. Complimentary blocks, courtesy room blocks. Um, you ask them to take out the, I can, can't bring in my own AV or you're going to charge an additional fee, gone. And then you add these clauses. You add these clauses in there. There's the force majeure clause that allows you to cancel. You know, obviously now you want to make sure travel restrictions, pandemic, epidemic, you want to make sure those words are in there, but you add a rebooking clause. So I've been adding rebooking clauses that says there will be no financial penalty, any payments, deposits that I've made, as long as I rebook this exact same event mm. within a year, this contract stays, I'll have an addendum with a new date. So the wow. entrepreneurs and business owners that I'm working with that are thinking strategically are like, you know what? Yes, I know I want to have an event in 2021. Maybe I'm not comfortable until October. I'm going to go ahead and book that. I'm going to put an arbitrary date. And gosh, any venues that are listening are not going to want to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> but an arbitrary date on the calendar for October, you just locked in an amazing hotel contract that essentially you don't have to have your event until October of 2022. Wow. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. That's <laughs> so I one one nuanced question to that, Wendy. So I, I'm glad you brought up the hospitality industry because it, it had not struck me last week. I was talking to someone and they said they used to be in the hospital industry 
and they said, you know, if you think about it, the hospital or the the hotels that are getting devastated by this are those that were primarily event destinations. You know, the ones that are for travel and recreation, they're back up and running. People are traveling. They're not a lot, not as many, but the ones where they had the big events, they have nothing going on. Mm. So my question is, are you finding these kinds of deals in those kinds of facilities that primarily depend upon conferences? and events versus they're at a great, you know, they're on the beach because they've got rooms booked. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the hotels that have convention centers tied to them, like ask and you're going to get it. Event venues, same thing. Most hotels, just traditional hotels, you can still really, I'm going to say there's, there's opportunity with all of them. The, and because everybody in the hospitality industry, whether it's event, whether it's events or even you know leisure, they've lost money. You can get more value for less at the predominant. You know, sticking with that hotel that has the ballrooms, that has all of the, you know, the catering department, the hotel block, the things like that. You're gonna get a lot more flexibility. Gotcha. Wow. I'll tell you, Wendy, this has been eye-opening. I mean, it's certainly near and dear to my heart because this is my industry. Yeah. And I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And I I know everybody who's listening and will listen has learned a lot. And we're going to make sure they know how to get in touch with you as well to get the, the, I'm going to call it the Wendy experience. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Actually, have you ever, you know, if you ever thought about saying this is what it means to get windied? <laughs> I've never heard that, but I might have to use that. That's People right. say they get jeffed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a couple things here as we wrap up, Wendy, thank you again. Uh, anything in particular that you want to promote or share that you haven't shared already with our listeners? Sure. Um, honestly, I love talking about events. <laughs> I created at the very beginning of COVID, I created a virtual event shortcut. And it is basically a toolkit with the strategy, the steps, how to pitch speakers, how to close speakers, speaker contract. What are we talked about earlier about the messaging and the emails and how to connect with your audience? I wrote eight, seven pre-promotion, eight upsell emails. The templates are there. They're done. So basically it's like you for a lot. I I created this at the beginning of of COVID because so many people had to have a way to get themselves out there. Nobody was looking to spend money. So I wanted a cost effective, do it yourself, but follow the steps that will event in a box. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Very cool. So I have that on my website. That's something there's a free download for everybody just getting started with virtual events, uh, kind of gives you the, the lay of the land of the conceptual you know, what is your goals? How are you going to reach people? All of that. Um, and then just, you know, follow on social media. There's, there's tons of ways to connect. I am about giving value. I feel powerfully, I feel so passionately that everybody has a voice, that they have to share their voice. In-person, online events is a very powerful way. Even if, like a lot of people that, that'll reach out, they're not quite ready. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. I challenge them to do a five-day go live on social media five days a week for one week. That is an event. It's it's pretty (laughs) one-sided. So, you know, happy to hop on a call with anybody and talk for 30 minutes that I love hearing people's ideas. I love kind of pushing people in the right direction. That's just something that fills me up. It provides value, obviously. It's not a sales call. It's literally just me loving to hear what people are doing in the industry and sharing anything I can along the way that might help them be more successful. So Epic Online Experiences is October 13th and 14th. It is next Tuesday and Wednesday. And for the listeners of this podcast, I want you to experience the true full experience. And so our ultimate experience package is $197. If you use the promo code IMPACT, all capital letters, you will get that for $97. So I am looking forward to seeing you and cannot wait for next week. And and Wendy, what is your website? All right. So the website is bebrighteventsco.com. When I started the company, Be Bright Events 
wasn't available. I just purchased it last week, so that will be changing. But it's B, like the letters B E. I don't know if you can see it's right <laughs> events co.com. We'll make sure that is also in the show notes. And as we told you at the beginning, uh, we always wrap up with a question. And my question for you, Wendy, is this. I want you to imagine that you can have dinner with anyone who is alive today. Who are you going to have dinner with? And what is the one question you're going to ask them at dinner? Oh, man, I I have the answer. The answer is 100% um, Richard Branson. Yeah. 100% 100% easy answer. What's the one question I'm going to ask? <laughs> See, I, oh, I have that answer prepared. I've loved Richard Branson for years. I'd sit in front of dinner. I'd be like, <laughs> so what's that question I would ask? I think the question I would want to know for Richard Branson is what kept you going? When you got in those bunks, when you felt defeated, when you, you know, the, the struggles of an entrepreneur. Hmm. going beyond what is your why because that's going to be the the honest answer well I just remember my why right that's what everybody said but for real like what did you you Richard Branson do to keep going to become who you are today yeah and he's he's pretty transparent I think that would that would be an honest answer (laughs) yeah I think so (laughs) well thank you Wendy thanks for that insight thanks for all the insights and ideas you shared today and and thanks for your passion I'd love Hmm. people with a I love people with a soapbox. I'm just surprised it took so long to get it out. Maybe you're withholding it. So next time we'll make sure we, we just invite the soapbox at the beginning. So thank you. Stand up, I'm speak out. my soapbox. What you don't know is that I'm under five feet. So that soapbox has been something that serves me in many areas. Of my life. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. It was so good having you here. And certainly you know, Jeff and I, as we've created Cartavera, one of the big parts of creating it is thinking about the events that we want to do. So I'm sure we'll be having some conversations with you. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jeff and Craig. You said at the beginning before we went live that I didn't have fun, that you didn't do your job. And now I'm ready to unscrew my smile because this is a <laughs> genuinely authentic smile the entire time. I had a great time. Thank you awesome. so much for having me. Great. Glad to have you. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.